Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we started recording episodes virtually instead of being in the same room together. This created technical issues for us for many weeks. Our sound issues get better beginning with the pros and cons episode. In the meantime, we appreciate your patience with the sound issues that are present in this episode. Dialectical Behavior Therapy was created in the 1980s by Marsha Linehan in Seattle, Washington. Today, DBT is taught all over the world. We're two therapists who believe everyone can benefit from DBT skills. I'm Kate. I'm Michelle. And And this this is is DBT and Me. Hello, everyone! I was about to say, I was like pausing. I'm like, Kate's probably about to say hello too. And then you did. I you did? <laughs> Perfect. It's weird if I don't. It would be weird. Everyone would be like, where is she? She's here. Not with me physically, but here. <laughs> yep, exactly. All right. Well, welcome back. And today we're going to be talking about <clears throat> the distress tolerance skill that is called improve. Now, thinking. Improve the moment. Improve the moment. Yes, if we use the full thing of what DBT says. The acronym is IMPROVE. And I will hearken back briefly to a couple episodes ago with the skill of accepts. Because sometimes when we talk about accepts and improve, sometimes I think people are like, well, what's really the difference? Um, <laughs> and here's the thing. Who knows? what Marshall Linehan's thinking process was. I think there's probably far more of a rationale for this. But, I mean, really, if you take accept and you take improve, you wind up getting a total of 14 different skills. You can pick and choose how you want to that will hopefully help if you're in a stressful moment. That if you do some combination of these, it will make it better. Like we talked about, with accepts, a lot of that is really focused on distraction. And improve, mm, similar but different. And the biggest differences are between accepts and improve. That accepts, a lot of the accept skills are more active, I would say. They're about going out and doing something. Not all of them, but at least half. (laughs) And pretty much all of the improve skills that we're going to be talking about today are a little more quiet, still, more mental skills. Soothing. Soothing. Yeah, they are a little more on the soothing side, I would say, than some of the accept skills. But basically today, kind of like what you got with accepts, we're going to give you seven more skills today that you can pick and choose as you like to help you when you are experiencing a challenging time in your life. Um... Anything else you want to say or add on about how you differentiate between accepts and improve and what this skill is about? Yes, but I'm having a very hard time figuring out how to put it. (laughs) Um, Because the first thing that occurred to me is like improve is more mental, but there's thoughts in, you know, in... And push away in accepts. Yeah, so it's not that, but there's this sense of them being more about your internal environment. 
So I'm tempted to use weird, you know, words like either intellectual or spiritual or like internal, right? They feel more like almost entirely internal state-based mm -hmm. rather than just a distraction. I, again, I guess I said that just but not quite like the five senses like we did last week, but more of like a soothing, right? I get this sense of like an exhalation. <laughs> I would agree with that entirely. I yeah, exactly. I think accepts is much more about turning outwards to do something, to distract yourself, and improve really is about turning more inwards yeah. to calm yourself. And I think, yeah, it really feeds in nicely with the self-soothing stuff we were talking about last week. You guys are probably going to hear and notice some crossover in what we talk about. And I think some of that is intentional that some of this may feel repetitive <laughs> to help you recall the information and recall the skills when you need them in the moment. So we're gonna get into it. Kate's gonna start talking about the first one. Okay, so the I for improve the moment is imagery. Um, so it's funny because uh, one of the things that they talk about on the worksheet is basically imagining a room. <laughs> Those of you who have been listening to these things in order, this is very much the safe space meditation we did as the closing moments last week. Uh, if you did that and you liked it and you have that space available to you in your mind, that is picture perfect, <laughs> unintended, um, of imagery. Right? Um, this can also just be imagining a relaxing scene. This can be, um, it mostly means for this to be internal, right? If you do like, if you like guided imagery um, of any sort, sort of like the closing moments I sometimes do, but you can find them, I don't know, 18 million different places on the internet. Um, that would certainly count. Um, it also talks about using your imagination to like imagine yourself coping well, imagine things going well. Um, so there can be, you know, Like some Copa Head stuff, I was thinking, bit. from yeah. ABC. Yep, a little thank you. I was trying to remember which, <laughs> which skill it was. Uh, right, so there's there's a lot of different stuff you can pull into this one, whichever, whatever sort of thing is going to feel more soothing to you. It doesn't directly mention actually looking at stuff like um, the five senses vision does, but um, I don't know that we've brought this up at all before, but I can't picture stuff. I mean that literally. There are no pictures in my brain. Um, so, vision, like uh, imagery for me is going to have to be more external and literal um, because I can't picture a scene in my brain. <laughs> so, uh, for those of us uh, who might be challenged in that fashion, um, a little bit of a exemption, I think, can be made for um, doing a little bit of external imagery stuff. But on the whole, this is meant to be utilizing your imagination as a tool for self-soothing. Um, so, either that be memories, or daydreams, or having that sort of safe space that you've created that you can go to in times of distress, it all comes back to using your imagination as a way to self-soothe, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think everything you said is spot on there. Um, and a lot of, I feel like we're going to get into some more specifics of what this might look like, when, especially when we get down to the V of improve <laughs> the second to the last one we're going to talk about of 
a really specific way to use imagery. But yeah, I like that you touched on so many different ways it can look like daydreams or like coping ahead or, you know, thinking of a positive memory or whatever it is, just letting something enter your mind that you can imagine that feels calming for you in some way. Yeah, perfect. Um, moving on to the M. The M stands for meaning. And this is a tricky one because hearkening back to accepts where Kate was talking about, con um, not contributing, that was mine. You were talking about comparisons. That's the one I meant to say. And as you know, we talked about then, this is a skill that can be a little bit dicey um for some people yes controversial exactly this can be really controversial because different people are going to have different perspectives of what brings them a sense of comfort or peace of mind and so for some people this looks like finding meaning and there's a couple things that I really want to emphasize with this because there is that expression out there of everything happens for a reason. And some people find a lot of comfort in that expression. Some people hate that expression. Kate gave me a look even as I said it out loud. <laughs> it was like, Rrr, you know. I'll share my thoughts when you're done. <laughs> yes, yeah, totally. I definitely want to hear your thoughts. Um, Because when we're, especially when we're in something really hard, when we're actively experiencing something horrific, right? We've gotten a horrible medical diagnosis. Someone we're close to is dying. Like, whatever it is, for somebody to try to say, well, there's a reason for that, feels super invalidating and hurtful and harmful <laughs> sometimes. Because, you know, right? Like, what is the reason for that? And people, I think, spend a lot of time asking this question of, like, why me? You know, why did this bad, hard thing happen to me? <laughs> Why? <laughs> and in asking that question, what we're really asking for is some kind of meaning. And a lot of times in a lot of different situations in life, like quite frankly, you can't, like there isn't always sometimes but rarely can, you know, someone explain, well, this is why this happened to you, but not the person next to you metaphorically and so it's really hard to find meaning in hard situations especially when we're in the middle of them and sometimes I think years later or something like that you'll hear people then talk about oh I can see now years later you know why that happened to me or now I can see the good things that came from that but it takes a lot of time to get there and not everyone is going to get there about certain situations, which is completely 100% okay. Um, in the focusing trainings that I've participated in, which I've touched on a little bit in this podcast, but one of the things that's talked about a lot is that within every wound, there is a gift, is how they put it. And so I, I like that a little bit more as hard as that is because it doesn't necessarily say that you need to figure out the reason why something happened you have to know the meaning it, it's not saying that it's just saying that when we go through something really hard in our lives sometimes we get something from that experience that winds us that winds up shaping us 
in a positive way or making us who we are or there's something good about it. Even if there are 99 horrible things about it, maybe there's one good thing of like maybe as someone you're close to is on their deathbed, you and that person finally got to find some resolution or say something that you've been holding on to for a really long time. And it doesn't necessarily explain or try to, you know, brush away the pain of that person dying, but it does say, okay, I got that from this experience, even if this experience is totally shitty. Like, <laughs> I got this thing. So I think meaning gets tricky because it's figuring out the way to think about it that's going to work for you and also completely giving yourself as much grace and compassion as you can if you are currently in a really hard situation and you're like, fuck finding meaning in this. <laughs> That's completely okay. Um, because again, sometimes we find meaning in things down the line. Sometimes we don't ever find meaning in things. But if that's something for you that has brought you a sense of comfort or peace of mind in the past with other situations you've struggled with to again, find the gift in the wound that you experienced, that's, that's what DBT is talking about here. Um, now I'll turn it over to you, Kate. I really want to hear your thoughts. <laughs> well, I have amusingly very mixed ones. Um, so I don't even know what the right order is, so I'll just dive in with a couple things. One, uh, I know I've mentioned before that I have, you know, trauma history and abuse history and stuff like that. Um, and uh, for me, I have found meaning in that when it comes to being a therapist, right? That, you know, because I've woken up, you know, wanting to die, I can experience that with someone else in a way that they know I'm not judging them and they know I've been there and that can really aid connection. Um, so I've, I've done that with some of my own hurts, some of my own wounds, some of my own traumas. So that's one thing. I, I have done it and I have, it has helped me. On the other hand, I get uh, unusually for me angry hearing anyone else suggest it to me ever. Yeah. <laughs> I never, ever, 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 ever want to hear it from another human being. Don't you bloody tell me that there's a fucking reason that something happened to me, right? Like, I, I, like I said, I'm a very, I'm a hard-to-anger person, generally speaking. <laughs> yeah, you are. You don't get angry very often. <laughs> I get just livid. So, um, I think, uh, I mean, obviously, here we are, two people telling you about this. On the other hand, one of the things that I think of for meaning that's so important from my perspective is that it be an internal process. Um, that no one else tell you what meaning to find, that no one else tell you there even is a meaning, right? That this is an internal journey that you choose to embark on and that you really are in charge of the destination of. Um, uh, just uh, one of my favorite books that is... In, in a lot of ways on this subject is actually um, called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, who was a survivor of, um, I think specifically it was Auschwitz. Um, and he talks about the meaning that during the time and after the time of being in the concentration camp, how he saw the ability to take meaning from pain in large part influenced who survived. 
um, and also who was able to recover and kind of go back to something resembling a normal life afterwards. So it's really interesting. I highly recommend it to anybody that's interested in such things to read. Um, so yeah, I have this really mixed feeling where I think if you decide to embark it on your embark on it yourself, um, and you choose what to take out of it in the end, I think it can be this a really powerful uh, tool of of healing. And to some extent, if you're able to do it in the moment, bless your heart, first of all. Uh, and second of all, uh, you know, I can also imagine it being helpful for enduring, you know, something really painful. Um, on the other hand, I champion anyone who wants to give a giant middle finger to anybody telling them <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> that there is a reason or or saying well have you looked for the lesson that you can take away from that or <laughs> like oh but what doesn't kill you makes you stronger or ah any of those things i i support you being angry <laughs> yeah well, look, someone else making the suggestion to you. Um, so, I don't know. We're telling you about it. I swear we're not suggesting it. <laughs> yeah, we're not here to tell you what the meaning is from your own life experiences or story. Because that's so important, Kate. I mean, I'm... Yeah, I can't put it any better than how you put it. Which is that, like, only you can find meaning in your own life experiences. Not anybody can find that for you or tell you what it is. Only you can do that and oh, tell you to look for it. Yeah, right, exactly. Like, nope, it's a hundred percent up to you what that looks like and how and when and all of that. So yeah. Cool. All right. Move on I to the next poor, one. Poor Michelle, well, since we're silent here, has to do with my making all the faces that I make when I don't like something. <laughs> Your arms <laughs> flailing in the air. <laughs> Alright, so speaking of things I don't like, ha! Um, the, the P for improve is prayer. Um, this one to me is also complicated. Um, I will own right now that I hang out somewhere between atheistic and agnostic. Um, so especially when I was first uh, exposed to prayer as being one of these DPT skills, I find that I have a very knee-jerk reaction of blowing a raspberry and blowing the whole thing off. Um, because by most of the meanings that I've ever heard assigned to the word prayer, I, I don't, not interested, meh. Um, so, given that I teach this, I have had to look inside of myself. <laughs> see what I could connect with. And to me, what, so first of all, just don't, these are my biases. I have nothing against anybody else having whatever beliefs that they have. Um, so if traditional prayer, uh, opening yourself up to some concept of a deity or a higher power uh, feels soothing, feels healing, feels like a spiritual balm, um, then that's wonderful. Um, and definitely, you know, work this into your life and your space, uh, you know, during struggle, after struggle. Um, if, if that sensation of, um, I don't know if this is still a popular thing, but something my grandmother said a lot was let go and let God. Mm, yeah, I uh, think that's still said. Okay. Um, so, like, if that is a thing that feels right to you, if prayer feels like coming home, Right, or, or being in the presence of something that is sheltering or protective for you, then awesome. Um, if, on the other hand, you are hanging out somewhere where I am, which is not there, uh, <laughs> you might have to look at it a little bit differently. Um, when we were, you know, when I was talking about what improve is 
like overarchingly, I, I mentioned to Michelle this sense of exhaling. Mm-hmm. And I think of that a lot when I think of this idea of prayer. Um, either written or in your mind or out loud or whatever feels good to you. To like speak your hopes, speak your wishes, speak your dreams, speak your intentions, speak your needs. And kind of exhale into that process. Right? Even if you don't believe that there is anyone or anything out there listening or giving a shit, um, it can still feel grounding to recognize what you're going through, the struggles that you're having, and maybe the needs or wants or desires you have about how to move through it, um, or what outcome you, know, you might be looking for from it. Um, no matter, you know, even if it's just to yourself, right? We actually process things that we that we say or that we write differently than things we just think, right? So especially if you're um, engaging in this in a way that is external to just going on in your own mind, that changes how you view it, that changes how you relate to it. Um, and also having, you know, set intentions, you can either go more woo-woo on what that can do, or you can just be very practical on what that can do. But in either, either end or anywhere in the middle of that spectrum, there is data around having and setting intentions having impacts on how we move through things. So as I've, you know, worked on teaching DBT and things like that, that's kind of where I've ended up um, with the idea of prayer from the perspective of you know, a little atheist agnostic human over yonder. <laughs> um, plus, you know, the, the more traditional stuff. Um, do you have any other ideas or thoughts there, Michelle? I mean, I really love how you conceptualize and talk about it. Um, And you and I have different upbringings. I was baptized when I was less than a month old into the Episcopal Church. Yeah, ironically, I my brother and I's birthdays are really close together. And I was baptized on what would come to be my brother's birthday. He was born three years later. Yeah. Um, So it was funny. Like, oh, the date of my baptism is the my brother's birthday okay um but yeah easy to remember um but yeah i my parents both grew up with church and religion being a very important part of their lives my mom especially and so i was raised going to church every sunday i was raised episcopalian um which is a form of christianity for those of you who don't know similar to catholicism but less guilt and shame is what we say um <laughs> in the episcopal church and you know i went to a small private school um for elementary and middle school and so i what was that kate i didn't know that about you oh yeah i did small school i think like seven eight people in my seventh grade class tiny tiny little school so yeah very small so i was raised with certain ideas of what prayer is supposed to look like um what you're supposed to do to connect with god and i have always found it difficult to pray in church around other people that's something that's always been difficult for me um i get i don't know if i've just always felt like distracted or self-conscious or whatever it is but that's hard for me um prayers that were spoken out loud at church 
um, that, you know, we would say every single Sunday to the point where I had them memorized. <laughs> that form of prayer did not work for me because I'm just saying, I'm just reciting the words. I'm not thinking about what it's about. So in my, in my adult life, like I still identify as Christian, <laughs> Christian-ish, if that's a thing. Um, I believe in a God. I believe in a higher power for myself. Um, I think that's about where it stops for me at this point with what my religious beliefs are. So when I do pray, I am praying to something specific. Um, but I've heard in the past couple years through like my own journey in therapy and doing a lot of more spiritual group work and all of this stuff, tons of other names for what I have always termed as God. Um, you know, hearing this term of like source, that it's just the source of all life. Um, or this idea of having a spiritual guide or praying to the universe or like whatever it is. And if you're in a 12-step program, they really talk about, you know, this idea of higher power does not have to be God. That can be like, you're basically your wise mind self. I forgot of more less, less American Western-centric stuff. Yeah. Like your ancestors and things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Spirits. Mm-hmm. Like so just to throw that in there. Yep. I my yeah. Bias. Well, exactly. I was raised. <laughs> yep. Yeah, totally. Um, so that there's all kinds of different things that you can pray to. Um, and I really liked, Kate, that you talk about prayer as like, even if you're not praying... <coughs> excuse me, to anything or anyone <laughs> specifically, just that idea of releasing. Because I really think at the heart of it, that's what prayer is intended to be, is a release. It doesn't have to be this formal practice where you're saying the words all perfectly and you have to have your eyes closed and your hands folded. Prayer does not have to look that way. Um, for me, one of the ways that I've found that helps me really connect to my higher power is through singing or chanting. That feels like prayer to me. Um, and so I think there's tons of different ways that it can look. And also, I think maybe part of why this was put into the distress tolerance module is because sometimes in our deepest, darkest moments, people who are like, I don't pray. <laughs> I have never prayed in my life. And in that moment, I prayed. And I think what they probably mean is how you put it, Kate, of like, they were just in this place of like such like heartfelt desperation to say, I need some help. <laughs> like, I, I am struggling with this thing and I don't know what to do and I need help. And again it doesn't matter who you're directing that to or in what manner you get that message across that's that's prayer so yeah i think it is it's really about you know finding a way that this fits or works for each person and also as i mentioned at the very beginning if you take all the stuff we're talking about with improve and add it up with all the stuff and accepts i mean that's 14 
different things total. And if you're like, eh, prayer, I'm going to throw that out the window. You have lots of other things to pick from. And that's okay. <laughs> it's okay if this doesn't fit for you. It's okay if you can't find a way to conceptualize it that feels good to you. But hopefully some of our thoughts help a little bit. Yeah, awesome. All right. The R in improve stands for relaxation. It, See you last week. Exactly. That's it. That's exactly what I was about to say. See all the self-soothing stuff that we just talked about a week ago. Um, because the way that I think DBT talks about relaxation, I mean, if you asked me, if you were like, Michelle, what does relaxation look for you? I'd be like, Rela relaxation for me looks like I am wearing sweatpants and a sweatshirt and I'm on my couch petting my cat, zoning out to TV. That's what relaxation looks like for me. <laughs> and some of that incorporates the self-soothing with the five senses, right? Touch for petting my cat, touch for the clothes that I'm wearing. But again, watching TV is somewhat of a mindless activity. And um, it's more of a turning out than a turning in. And like we talked about with this general concept of improve, improve is about a turning in. So when it comes to relaxation, DBT, I think, is really talking about this idea of being still, of putting a pause on the busyness that is life, and truly just allowing yourself to be. And I will own it. I super struggle with this. This is hard for me, because even if I'm watching TV, a lot of times, excuse me, I'm watching a show and a series that I like and I'm trying to catch up on the series or something. There's still a purpose. There's still an intention to it. And what can it look like if we truly just rest and allow ourselves to pause? And I don't think this means being motionless. I think some of this can look like with some of the stuff we did talk about before in accepts. I think some of this can look like if you have an activity that really nourishes your soul, that you find relaxing, I think that would fall under this R part of improve. Um, but really what it looks like for you personally to slow down and to not have a task that you're focused on completing, even if that task is a TV show that you're watching, <laughs> What does it look like to do something just for the sake of doing it? Or what does it look like to do absolutely nothing at all and just sit and do some of the self-soothing stuff that we talked about last week? Because in the example I just gave there, I was only using one of my five senses <laughs> and leaving four of the others out. And so again, how can you really turn inwards? I mean, Kate, you talk a lot about how you really enjoy taking baths. Yes, I was going to mention that. I feel like that's a really good example of this because it engages your five senses and it's slowing down <laughs> in a really nice way. So figuring out for yourself, I mean, and of course with your own life and your own circumstances, this may be really hard. It may be really hard, especially if you're like, I don't know, a single parent of young kiddos or something like that. You may be like, huh, thanks Michelle and Kate, but I can't do that one. Um, but finding some small way. And this doesn't mean like you have to clear your schedule for an evening uh, to do nothing. That, that may not be realistic for most people out there. And it also could look like you taking 10 minutes to sip a cup of tea or 
you know, slow down for yourself in some way. I feel like whenever we do closing moments, we're trying to <laughs> do this our part of improve and bring a little relaxation where we're just pausing. We're not doing anything except just being with ourselves. So whatever allows you to be with yourself in a slow down, not focus on being productive or checking off the to-do list kind of a way, I think that really encompasses what the relaxation is about. Yeah, I like that. I don't, I don't know that I have too much to add to it other than I like, you know, you've mentioned like just taking 10 minutes to sip a cup of tea. Um, I think that, wow. I mean, there's an upper limit to this, but oftentimes the longer you can do it, the better. There's also something about paying attention to any moment that mm -hmm. this can happen, right? Maybe there's that, I know you mentioned being a single mom with like young kiddos or something, you know, that moment, just that half a moment <laughs> where they're quiet or maybe you're awake before they are or something and you can mm -hmm. just do like, 30 seconds, right? But just noticing it right and and trying to take advantage of those brief little moments when you can let your shoulders relax when mm -hmm. you can uh, apparently my theme for this whole one today maybe this is a hint that maybe i need to do this if something comes up enough um i feel like, like exhalation right mm -hmm. just, <sighs> right it's a big breath um and just tuning into that but otherwise yeah i think it's um i like michelle a lot what you were saying about slowing down mm-hmm yeah. Uh, and even if you can only slow down for 30 seconds, it's something. Mm -hmm. um, so slowing down and paying attention. Yep. Totally. Speaking of paying attention, if <laughs> relaxation, if the R is uh, self-soothing with the five senses, rehashed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then the O for improve is mindfulness. Mindfulness? <laughs> mindfulness rehashed. There we go. Um, <laughs> mindfulness. No. <laughs> Because it stands for one thing in the moment. Um, and that is exactly what it sounds like. Um, right, which is the mindfulness of one thing at a time. Do the thing. Do the thing you're doing. And just the thing you're doing. Pay attention to that thing. And do it. Um, the nice thing about this is that I think some of, not all of them, but some of the other improved skills may require an amount of alteration to what you're doing like either changing what you're doing or you know the it might require their own time right it might require their own space or time to do them um like i have harped on and will continue to harp on for the rest of time uh the cool thing about mindfulness is that you can do it anytime anywhere or anything um same thing with one thing in the moment uh it is about um to echo some of what michelle was saying about the last one about well, I was going to say about slowing down, but that's not accurate. Maybe you're doing something really fast-paced. So maybe slowing down your cognition rather than slowing down your actual actions, right? So even if you're doing something very quickly, I promise you it's probably going to feel like you're slowing down if you start paying attention to only the thing you're doing <laughs> instead of having like seven trains of thought trying to compete in your brain at one time. Um, so that's, you know, it is. It's just about tuning in, being in the present moment, Right. So um, to remind everybody in case you need it, uh, most of us, maybe everyone, no, I can't speak everyone, most people are going to fail. Uh, 
repeatedly at this, right? You're going to be doing your one thing at a time, and then, you know, two minutes in, you're going to realize that for one minute you've been thinking about something else, and you'll need to bring yourself back to it. And that's okay. Right? You don't need to be judgmental about yourself. This isn't how your brain is trained to work. This isn't what we're told to do. So it's okay if your brain wanders and you bring it back. Your brain wanders and you bring it back. Your brain wanders and you bring it back. Um, the, the intention and the attempt is the thing that matters. Um, and keeping at it non-judgmentally. Uh, but yeah, one thing, one thing in the moment. Just do the thing. Yep, yeah, do the right, thing. Do <laughs> <laughs> and I think this one, even though it is rehashing mindfulness, I think it is really important that this was put into this improved skill in the distress tolerance module because when you're dealing with a big stressful situation, it can be so tempting to get pulled into thinking about the big picture worries that you have. What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen next week? What's going to happen in a month? Like, it's so easy to get sucked into that way of thinking. And there is something very adaptive about that. And is that going to stress you out? Probably. <laughs> like, trying to think and plan ahead. And I, you know, I catch myself doing this regularly where I'm thinking about tomorrow you know, this morning <laughs> where I'm not just thinking about, okay, what am I doing right now? And then, you know, when I'm done with that, I think, okay, then what's the next thing? I'm not really tracking with that. I'm too busy thinking ahead and worrying about the future. And when we're truly just focusing on one thing in the moment, yes, part of that is doing one thing in the moment. And also part of that, like you said really nicely, Kate, is like, is my brain running in seven different directions? How can I have it run in one direction right now? <laughs> And just be with one thing at a time. And hey, bonus points if that one thing is one of the other improved things. Oh yeah, sure, of course. You're talking about being mindful of all the <laughs> Yes, yeah, exactly. All right, down to the V. So the V I mentioned relates very much to the imagery part that Kate talked about initially. The V stands for vacation. And DBT also has a caveat to this, which is they put the word brief before the word vacation. Because, right, people see the word vacation, I don't know about you, well, yes, on the one hand, that does bring to mind for me, oh, that'd be so nice, images of relaxing at the pool or whatever else. Also, what comes to mind for me is like, I don't have the time for that, I don't have the money for that, that's not realistic, <laughs> is what comes to me the minute I hear the word vacation, like, all right, DBT, like, thanks. But that's why they put in this word brief. And DBT really talks about it as it's different than taking a literal vacation. By all means, if you have the time, the financial means, the logistical stuff worked out, and you're able to take a vacation, even for just one night, sure, do it. Because um, <laughs> that can do wonders for us mentally and emotionally to quote unquote get away, you know, to get a break, to be in a difficult, a different physical space, to maybe get to have a new experience that can really help shift us. That can be really healthy. Um, and also, if you do not have the means to take any kind of any vacation, the way that DBT really talks about this is taking a mental vacation. So using some of the imagery, <laughs> like Kate was talking about. And this is going to come up a little bit in the closing moment today to help you guys with this V. We're basically going to be practicing it in real time as the closing moment. 
and it's it's really thinking to yourself um how can i give myself a little break now if you can do this mentally fantastic if you can also do something something physically good if you can at your breaks at work go take a walk outside even just briefly go do that <laughs> that that counts that changes something um if you can when you're at home go in a different room or you know if you're driving somewhere drive a different route give yourself some kind of a change of scenery there are small things that you can maybe build into your day to do this physically um and you can also envision yourself taking some kind of a vacation whatever kind of vacation fits for you if you like snow which i do i love snow you can imagine yourself in the mountains if you like warm tropical beaches you can imagine yourself there and i think sometimes people want to be like well what's really the point of that that just reminds me of where i'm not what i don't have it's so fleeting what can that really do for me um and <laughs> It gives you a brief break. A brief break. And... Breather. Huh? What did you say, Kate? A breather. A breather. Yes. Um, and especially, you know, which again, we're going to walk through a little bit in the closing moment. I don't want to give too much away. But if you have been on vacations in the past that you've really enjoyed, um, you can reflect back on those experiences and think about some positive times that you had and draw some strength from those times in your life that were really good and really carefree. I think one of the reasons why vacations are so important is because we think about it as an opportunity to not have to worry about anything. We just go somewhere and we just enjoy ourselves and we don't have to worry about all the stuff back home. And being able to recall how that felt. And again, if you have the means or the ability to plan a vacation, even if it's over a year in advance, giving yourself something to look forward to down the line, do it. We understand that given the current climate of the world with COVID, this may be really, really hard. Um, <laughs> but thinking about what's realistic for you and your lifestyle and how you can build it in either into your daily life where you get a change of scenery or mentally to get a change of scenery is what this one's talking about um my only couple of thoughts for an addition is um i think even the little the handout manages or mentions uh it a little bit which is also sometimes getting yourself a little treat Oh yeah, like a like a spa day kind of a thing. Oh, that's a big treat. I was I was gonna say that is a big treat. Store and you get a candy bar. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Like um, you know, if you have just I mean, again, I know a lot of these are monetary and not everybody can do it. But even if it's just a tiny thing, like I don't know, I'm a big fan of those little tiny like two and a half inch cheesecakes. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like if you can do if you can throw in just a little something that is just for you and just for pleasure, mm -hmm. um, into your day in some fashion. Um, it does a few different, like, it, it both is a break, right? It is a little breather, a little break, a little space. But also, when you do stuff like that for yourself, it reinforces to yourself that you're worth it, mm -hmm. that you deserve it. Um, and it is a, 
it's a reminder that no matter how bad the thing or things are that's going on, pleasure still exists. Um, and I think that's both true for the things that, you know, do, taking a, or having a nice cup of coffee or taking a bath or doing a, you know, if you can go into your bedroom and pull the covers up over your head for five minutes. Yep. <laughs> if there's little things you can do, um, those are really nice and you can remind that there's nice and pleasant and pleasurable things in the moment. Um, but to speak sort of what you were saying, Michelle, about people like, well, what good does it do to remember happy times? You know, if I'm not in them right now, well, you, you've got to remember that you've been happy. Right? You've got to remember that you're capable of being happy. That's important, right? When things get bad enough, we can lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. We can lose sight of the fact that we're capable even of being happy. So might there be a little bit of like, heart sickness like oh i wish i were there now instead of in this shit heap that life is in this moment or whatever right like sure right there can be a little of yearning but it's still a reminder right that there is happiness there is pleasure you have experienced it you are capable of experiencing it Um, so whether that be the mental stuff or the recollections or a little physical break um, or a little treat you get yourself I think it comes back to that idea a lot of remembering pleasure, remembering mm-hmm. joy, remembering happiness. So. Yep. Thoughts. Totally. Yeah, that's great. Um, and last, but certainly not least, the E in improve is for encouragement. Um, I'm going to have to watch myself because I feel like I could talk too much here. Um, let's see what I do. Um, how we talk to ourselves matters a lot. Um, I often joke with incoming clients that if I had a stick, I'd hit people over the head and just say, stop being a dick to yourself. Um, that I need to see most of my clients only once. Don't do that. Done. Like, <laughs> if I had a magic wand and that's the only thing I could change in any person's brain was just stop being a dick to yourself, I can't even say how many of the world's problems would be solved right there. So, um, encouragement is actively harnessing the power of our internal dialogue, right? Of our, our self-narration for the good, right? Use your powers for good, not evil, uh, right? Because it matters. It matters how we talk to ourselves and about ourselves. So, might it feel, I don't know, cheesy? Right? I think that's what I feel like. It feels cheesy, it feels forced, it feels weird. Um, especially if you're pretty used to being an asshole to yourself. Um, this might feel especially odd, but it matters and it has an impact to say, you know what, I can do this. Right? Just that. Even that simple of a thing. Or even, I'm going to live through this, right? I, you know, how basic do you need to get? It's still saying something positive. The more of a cheerleader you can be to yourself, the better, right? That's, that's awesome. If you can get you know, really, I don't know, I'm imagining pom-poms waving, right? If you're you gesture, like, you're gesturing as if you had pom-poms. <laughs> 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 right? Like, if you can get really enthusiastic about it, awesome, right? But even something as simple as do this, that makes more of an impact than I think uh, a lot of us appreciate. Or I'm going to try. Yeah, I'm going to give this my best effort, mm-hmm. Right? Or even I'm doing my best. A reminder that a lot of us need somewhat regular reminders that we are doing our best. Right now, we're doing it. It's true. 
right? So, you know, I can do it, or even, I don't know, um, nothing is permanent, nothing lasts forever, right? So even, you know, ideally, I love it if you're encouraging yourself, but if nothing else, just a reminder, this too shall pass, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever is happening now is not going to be happening forever, right? So either um, active encouragements about yourself to yourself, or even just, I guess, reassurances about your capabilities or about the situation. Um, all of that is harnessing the power of our internal dialogue for uh, Because so much of the time, um, people are using it for evil. Um, I couldn't think of a reasonable way to put it, so I'm just gonna stick with it. For evil, <laughs> evil purposes. Uh, right, we're, we're, we're dicks for this assholes to ourselves in the brain center. So, um, hell, just getting a break from that is probably going to feel pretty good. Um, and then actively adding something positive is really, really important. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, there you go. I think I didn't talk No, you did great. I feel like I could harp on that. All day long. Forever. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I think it's important with the encouragement piece of this to think back to what we were both saying about meaning, which is that it's really important that you derive your own meaning from your life experiences. And sometimes it's really hard when people, maybe they mean well. But they're trying to encourage us and we're just like, eh. you know, <laughs> if they're like, you're doing great. And you're like, I'm really not. You know, it just sometimes getting that from the outside feels really hard. And so I think it's so important with this one to meet yourself where you're at. And exactly like you were talking about, Kate, you know, if you're able to really enthusiastically, fully, wholeheartedly believe in yourself of like, I've got this. That's great. Um. And even if it's hard to get there, to still find something to say about yourself that's not negative, <laughs> you know, however minimal, however small, find something that feels genuine and authentic to where you're at. Not like you're trying to push yourself to feel any kind of way that you don't actually feel, but something that meets you where you are and isn't you treating yourself like crap? <laughs> at, you know, at the very minimum, that's what we're hoping for here. And if you have had people in your life, this can be a really great practice to start doing for hard times like this. If you have had people in your life who, let's say they did say something encouraging to you and it actually really fit. It was really helpful. And they said something to you that at that time you really needed to hear and it helps a lot, start figuring out what it might look like to keep track of that stuff. Um, sometimes for me, like if I'll see something on Facebook, like a meme that's really inspirational, I'll take a picture of it and put it in my phone. And then I may not look at it for months, but then, <laughs> you know, at some point I might be like, where was that? And then I have it there, you know? Or if somebody in your life says something really nice to you to maybe be like, can you also text me that? Like, <laughs> so that I can look back on it so I can remember. Um, because there may be times in your life where you get a lot of people who don't encourage you very well. And then you may get some times and be fortunate enough to have experiences where you did get encouraged really well. And how to remember and hold on to those moments. Also, oh, if you say oh. something, you can also, you know, the doing things when you're calm thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's 
it's a nice thing you can compile things to say to yourself in the thing for mm-hmm. when you're in a better headspace, but then you can look back on to utilize the manner worse than this. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So for homework this week, it's going to be pretty similar to what the accept homework was, um, which is basically just we encourage you guys to pick one out of these seven to try. Um, and, you know, right, this is called DBT and me. Any of your choosing, anything that fits for you, pick your own adventure of which one you want to try. I just realized I forgot to mention this with accept. If you want to be super adventurous, try a different one every day of the week. Ooh, for the next week. <laughs> and so we're back here again. <laughs> that would be super ambitious, but, um, you know, really reflect back on each of the seven that we talked about. And maybe there's one that really stood out to you. And again, typically, we hope that you'll see at least one of these things as we're talking about these distress tolerance skills that you can go, huh, I'm already doing that one. Yay. Um, and thinking about one that you maybe have not thought about or one that you have not tried and trying to you know, give yourself a little nudge in that direction to do and try something new that may be slightly outside your comfort zone, but also feels doable and like something you want to try. So, yeah. Um, and send us emails, dbtandmepodcast at gmail.com. Yay. All right. I think we're ready. Closing moments? Yes. Closing moments. I feel like I need a Okay. <laughs> <sighs> Okay, so, as always, start by settling into a comfortable position. Uh, sitting, laying down, standing, whatever works best for you. Feel comfortable and relaxed and supportive. And if you feel comfortable and safe doing so, I invite you to go ahead and close your eyes. As always, we're going to begin by just tuning in for a breath. You don't have to breathe any more slowly, breathe any more naturally. It's just about paying attention. It's just about noticing how and where we feel my breath. And letting those sensations draw us into our bodies. And into the present moment. Now today, I would like you to bring to mind a vacation that you had. Now, this doesn't have to be a traditional vacation. This may not have involved any travel, any kind of destination, any time off of work or school. It doesn't need to be that formal. All I need mean is a moment when you had a break, a moment where you felt the peace. This could be something that happened yesterday. This could be something that happened when you were a kid. It doesn't matter how recent or how far in the past it was. Just take a minute to bring it to mind. Remember where you were. Remember when it was. Remember how it felt. Both literally how it felt physically. Wherever you were, how was your body feeling? What was the environment? But also remember how it felt emotionally and mentally. 
all that relaxation. Bring to mind that sense of happiness, of peace, of joy, whatever it was. Whatever it was about that moment, that experience, that made it come to mind when I suggested you think about it. What side of it part? Just let yourself really feel that. The great thing about our memories and our recollections is that we carry them with us. You know, we may not be able to hop on a plane and go somewhere on a moment's notice. We certainly can't actually revert back to being children on a moment's notice. But we can remember. We can close our eyes, we can take a breath, and remember. And allow that to give you a break. Allow your body to do the best job it can at embodying those sensations. And you feel your muscles relax into it for a moment. And you notice that your breathing has slowed down or deepened as you bring this memory. And remember that this is here for you for five seconds, five minutes, any time or anywhere that you can take any time to close your eyes and think. You can recall this experience that you can draw on the current moment help you relax and to help you feel refreshed and more ready for whatever it is that you're facing. So now we're going to let that slip away again, back into the recesses of our mind. And we can start to take a couple of deep breaths. Thanks, guys. To learn more about us and the DBT skills we're teaching each week, join our Facebook group. Simply log in to your Facebook profile and search for DBT and Me Podcast.